Good morning, Foothill Church. What a joy to sing with you all this morning and worship through music and now through scripture. So today's scripture is going to be found in Exodus 21, verses 12 through 36. Please stand for the word of the Lord. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. When men quarrel, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of a slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. When an ox scores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But for the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has been warned, but has not kept it in, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to this same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. This is God's word. You may be seated. We are, we're going to move quickly. We've got a lot of stuff to go through. And I know, again, just like last week, we come to a passage like this. We're thinking, what in the world do we do with this? Okay. 
So, so to do that, I want to I wanna try to help you not just with today, but with future reading as we make our way through the law of Exodus and try to make sense of it. And one of the, because if we don't, if we don't, if we don't understand how it fits into the context and what's going to happen is we're going to read passages like today and feel like this is just a hodgepodge. It's just, you know, we bounce from here to there to here to there, and it doesn't seem to have any flow or make any sense. So I want to try to provide, I want to sort of build in your mind a structure. Think of it like a, a tree where, where we're going to start at sort of the, the macro level and move down to the micro level. And I'll, I want to build this in your mind as we go along. So let's start at kind of like basic foundational principles. And Jesus gives us those in Matthew chapter 22. Somebody asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says at the very end, on these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Look at that word depend. Some of your translations say hang. And I think that's helpful in this sense. If you've got this sort of image, this structure in your mind, you've got love God, love neighbor, and everything hangs down below that. Okay? So that's sort of level one basic principle. Now let's drop down a level and in Exodus we would have below that, we would have, that's the basic principle, we have the Ten Commandments, right? So now the commandments hang underneath those. So we could say it this way, commandments one through four hang under love God, right? They're all about our worship, our, our attitude toward God. Commandments six through ten, love others, love neighbor, Commandment five, I would make the case sort of straddles between the two, and that is that the way I, I, I honor God is by honoring the authority he puts in my life, my, my parents, and, and, and the way I love my neighbor is by loving my neighbor, my parent, right? See that? So it's, it sort of sits there between. And now, uh, then, but then we, we get below that. So we've got this foundational principles, love God, love others. We've got the Ten Commandments, so think of it, you know, one through four, six through ten, number five, straddling. But now we get to what we've called the case law, right? And starting in chapter, end of chapter 20, beginning of chapter 21, in through, I think it's uh, 24, we, we get into this sort of covenant code. It's the case law that helps explain. So it helps explain commandment one and two all the way to ten. Doesn't necessarily do it in order, and so that's part of the puzzle of what we've got to do. But it, we can drop below those and go, okay, what, what case law is being explained here? So think of today. Uh, if, the, if an Israelite at this time would have heard the Ten Commandments and they heard commandment number six, you shall not murder, they, they would say that seems pretty straightforward. But the more they think about it, they're thinking, okay, well, God, the, what does it mean to murder? And God says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flesh this out. I'm going to build this out for you so that you understand what is and what is not murder. Okay, so that, that gives you kind of a basic structure. Now, we get into places like Exodus 20, and the structure doesn't solve all of our problems because we realize they live in a very different world. Like nobody came here on a donkey today, I'm pretty sure. Um, there's a guy who walks his donkeys around Glendora. Some of you know him or seen him, right? That's as close as we get, right? But, but um, uh, the, the, I, I doubt anybody here owns oxen, right? I, it's just not what we have. So we, it feels very foreign to us. So we read it and, and these passages can feel strange, sometimes offensive, 
so, sometimes like, like uh, I, I mean, this seems cruel. And again, let me take us back to last week. We've got to make sure we're not filtering it through a 21st century mindset. We've got to understand what it meant for them so that we can understand how to apply it for us. Right, so here we are, and, and we're trying uh, to make sense of this structure. We're trying to make sense uh, of this culture. And so what we very often do, I don't know about you, but let me just, I'll just tell you me. Like I, I run into passages like this, and I've done this. You, you kind of skip over them, don't you? You sort of move quickly past them. Um, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, don't see any application. I, I want to be done with this. Well, and yet we say, confidently all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for rebuke, correction, training, and righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, Paul, when he, when he says that to Timothy, scripture that Paul talks about is the Old Testament. All the Old Testament. So that means that chapter 21 verses 12 to 36 are profitable. And so that's really the the, 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 the thing we've got to work ourselves through is how in the world is a passage like this profitable for us? What does it do? How do we, how do we unpack that? So, so I, I wanted to start with structure to at least help you understand this is not a hodgepodge. There is a rhyme to the reason of what's happening here. And so what we've got to ask is, okay, does this sort of fall under the love God, love neighbor branch? And then it drops down into what commandment are we talking about? And underneath that commandment, where do these case laws point to that help me discern what's happening? Now that's one. There's another grid that we can look at that I think is very helpful. And that's to understand that traditionally the, the Old Testament laws are divided into sort of three groupings. These are not three groupings for the sake of convenience because we're trying to get out from under things. I'll explain that. They're groupings that are really helpful. So you can think of it this way. There are laws in the Old Testament that are called ceremonial laws. So that's sort of group one. I'll explain that in a second. There's another group that we would call civil laws. That's group two. And group three would be moral or ethical laws. Okay, so ceremonial. What are those? Ceremonial are things like you can't eat this food. You, you, know, you, you have to wear this, not that. Um, this is how the high priest has to dress. This is what you do when you go to the temple. Here's the sacrificial system. These are all these like ritual purity laws. Okay, And uh, then we get to the civil laws. That's just... We could just think of it as like the criminal code, right? That is, how do we behave vis-a-vis -vis one another in the culture, in society? How do we build up a, a just society? And then, and then the, the, the last one is the moral and ethical laws, like the Ten Commandments. Those are all moral and ethical. So let's sort of treat these and in, 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 uh, explain that. So moral ethical laws, all of them reaffirmed in the New Testament by Jesus and Paul. So it's, we can't look at the Ten Commandments and go, doesn't apply today because I still can't steal, I still can't murder, I still can't covet, right? All those are reaffirmed. Ceremonial laws, um, this is where you'll, you'll hear accusations coming at us about our Bible. See, like you Christians, here's what you do. You pick and choose what you like. So you can eat lobster, and the Bible says don't do that, but uh, you say that adultery or homosexuality is wrong. Are we being contradictory? 
Well, no, if we understand that there is this group of laws that when I turn the page to the New Testament, I understand that what Jesus has done is fulfilled all the ceremonial laws. You understand this? Like in other words, I don't, there is no high priest anymore. Why? Jesus is our high priest. There is no, I've got to go to the temple. Why? The Holy Spirit, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. There, there, there is no sort of unclean that comes from, you know, Jesus declares all food clean. You can eat whatever you want, as gross as it is, right? But he says it's all clean now. Why? Because we're not getting our cleanness from externals. Jesus is the one who makes us clean. So now it's not an issue of we just don't like this law and want this. We're saying as Christians, we can't talk like that. We must look and say Jesus is the final sacrifice. Jesus is the great high priest. All those ceremonial laws are gone. Now that leaves us with civil laws. And this is an interesting one because this final sort of category, what happens is in the Old Testament, of course, we we have Moses, we have these leaders, we have a king. It's a theocracy, that is God reigns over it all. Well, well, that starts to break up and the exile and all that. And when we turn the page to the New Testament, the people of God no longer are the ones who are the civil authorities. There is sort of a ecclesiastical or church authority and there's a civil authority. And God says in Romans 13, those civil authorities are actually given to us by God. And so what happens is all of these Uh, crimes or punishments that the civil laws would talk about in the Old Testament sort of, somebody said, sort of transpose into the New Testament. And so what would have been punishment in the Old Testament becomes church discipline in the New. So let me give you an example. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about a man who is committing sexual immorality. And Paul says, borrowing Old Testament language, purge the evil from among you. He doesn't mean go kill him. He means church discipline. He needs to be out from among you. But he, he borrows from the Old Testament to say, look, it's, it's now under, like there's now a, there's a church discipline aspect to what's going on here, okay? So, so this is how, I want you to see this. If you, don't, if you don't have some kind of categories like this, then when you get to passages like verses 12 to 36, they just, it just feels like, man, I should just browse past this because um, it doesn't make any sense, okay? So, so have these categories. So where are we? We're sort of on the love neighbor branch, and I'll show you this later. We are down at commandment six for the most part, and, and below that, we're in these case laws about murder. Okay, so, so let's try to make sense of that, and I want to move really quickly. I'm just warning you now, grab your Bibles, keep your head down, because we're going to plow through this, because I want us to get to the timeless principles that I think are really helpful for us to understand, even when we're in civil laws, uh, that we would understand what, what, what God wants for us as New Testament Christians, all right? So it's sort of broken into three sections, sort of 12 to 17, let's call this capital crimes, Okay, 18 to 27 is all about personal injury. Uh, 28 down to 36, let's call this criminal negligence. Okay, now this is interesting. You're going to see all kinds. If you know anything about our laws, you're going to realize this is where we got them from. 
This is like, this is, we borrowed and, and saw this as, a, as an impulse that, 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 that causes us to have many of the laws we do today. So let's, let's just barrel through these, okay? So let, let, let's go. Starting in verse 12, we, we get into the capital crime section and let's look at it. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. Now remember, this is Israel saying, okay, God, we hear murder is wrong. Commandment number six must not be violated. What is murder? Somebody who strikes a man intentionally so that he dies, okay? That's what we might call premeditated murder. Verse 13, but if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee, okay? So here we have accidental manslaughter. That's what we would call it in our culture, right? And what he says is when that happens, man there shouldn't be immediate revenge. He should be able to flee to a place where cooler heads can prevail and, uh, and we can hear the facts out. And if it turns out it was actually, actually accidental, then he shouldn't be uh, killed for the crime. But then look at verse 14. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from the altar that he may die. In other words, you, the, the altar doesn't come this sort of like, hey, I touched home base and you can't touch me now, right? Um, there was an old doctrine even in Europe, in the cathedrals, you could go in and you could cry sanctuary and that meant you were safe. You were safe. Well, here it's saying, no, you're not just safe. If you've actually committed a murder and they find out, they can pull you away from the altar and you can be executed. In fact, you're gonna see this happen in the historical books of, of the Bible, okay? Keep going. Verse 15, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. This isn't, you know, I actually bumped into. You have to think of this. This is like a willful beating of mom and dad. Um, uh, I was looking this week and uh, elder abuse is on the rise. I, I saw a statistic that said one in 10 uh, American uh, elders who are over the age of 60 will be subject to some form of elder abuse and two thirds of the people who commit that abuse are, are children or spouses. That's a problem. And I just want you to see this, like look at this. Here's God saying, you just struck your father and mother. They didn't die. This is why I told you, this is where it straddles. You have in effect, this is an affront to me as your God. I have placed these people this, the, the, in, in, in your life as your authority and I take that authority really, really seriously, so seriously that if you strike them, if this is like a beating of mom and dad, you deserve to die. Under the Old Testament code, that would be a, a punishable by death. Okay, keep going. Verse 16, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in his possession shall be put to death. We talked about this last week. This, this would have in one stroke uh, 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 been the end of the 18th century slave trade in America if they would have actually read this and heard what it says. You, you can't steal another person. You can't enslave them in that way, right? And sell them. Uh, that, that is tantamount to murder, it's life for life because you are taking away their life. Yeah, you haven't snuffed them out physically, but you've snuffed out their life in every other way and they deserve, you deserve to die for that. Verse 17, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Now, this isn't like one day I got mad and I called my mom and dad a name. It's, it's, it's maybe not even that impulsive, oh, I hate you, I'm so mad at you. It's not that, this is a curse in the Old Testament is calling down death upon people. 
And so what's happening here? Like this is such a rejection of mom and dad. It's such a, uh, you know, a, 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 a neglect. It's such an extreme form that it's as though you, you just wish they were dead. God says, like I take the authority of parents. It's, this is too big of a deal. That's worthy of death. It's amazing, right? We don't, we don't have laws like that anymore. Some of you wish we did, but you... You, right? We, 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 so, so, okay. So, so Israel comes and says, Moses, we get it. We hear the don't murder. What does that actually look like? Here's the case law. It's an intentional violation of commandment six. It's stealing another person. Uh, commandment number eight. It's so dishonoring your mom and dad in such an egregious way. You deserve to die. Th- those all constitute murder. That's how we look at it. Now, We get into the next section. It's personal injury. So verse 18, keep going. When when men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and the man does not die but takes to his bed. Okay, so you get the idea. There's a fight, you know, heat of passion, but the person doesn't die. Then what happens? Then if the man rises, if he dies, we got a problem, right? Then, then, then we're back in the first section. But if he rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for his loss of time and have him thoroughly healed. In other words, there's compensation. You couldn't work for X number of days. You lost this amount of income. We have the same principle in our law called compensatory damages, right? There are things that we actually require people to pay for other people's medical bills. That's exactly what's happening. You make sure this person gets back up on their, on their feet, okay? Verse 20, when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. Now stop right there. This is unheard of in the ancient Near Eastern world. That again, I, I'm not trying to glamorize slavery back then. It's not 18 centuries we talked about last week. But, but uh, and again, I, I don't want to say it was, but it was wonderful, right? But, but if he, he, he th- this is never heard of, that, that you would treat a slave the same way you would treat every other, every other person. So, so he's saying he should be avenged. That means he should be, th- 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 there should be death, Right, so now we're kind of back in the first part. There should be a life for a life. But if the slave survives a day or two, he's not to be avenged for the slave is his money. Now that sounds really heartless. Okay, think of this. Yes, there is a sense in which a slave was owned by the owner. They, they called him that, right? And we talked about that. So if you want to get that unpacked, go to last week's sermon. But, but what's happening? He's saying if you, if you injure him, and, uh, and he doesn't die, uh, you, you have to compensate uh, somebody for the loss of that slave's labor. Well, but you're the owner. So guess what? You just lose your investment. He needs to be nursed back to health and, and you don't get that. That's, that's the idea. Now, skip over just for the time being, uh, verses 22 to 25, go down to verse 26. Here's slaves again. When a man strikes the eye of a slave, uh, male or female, and destroys it. He shall let him slave go free. If he knocks out the tooth of a slave, male or female, they get to go free. So in other words, I don't think this means there's only two times when a slave can go free. I think the idea here is permanent injury. 
There is a, you have permanently damaged this slave. That is not allowed. And they get to go free. There, there's no price they have to pay you. Uh, they get to walk. So, so this, is, this, is, um, this is how they handle personal injury in those cases. Now, I skipped over verse 22. Go back there. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out. Notice that, by the way. But there is no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband uh, shall impose on him and he shall pay as the judge is determined. Now, now, so what's happening here? So there's a fight, I guess, and the woman gets struck. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's unintentional. And so what do they do? The, the children come out. We'll talk about that in a moment. But there's no harm. So they look and go, okay, the woman, okay, you, you made it through. You're not harmed. The child uh, comes out, they're not harmed. Okay, but they're still a fine. You still punched her. So, so you've got to pay. And the husband actually gets to determine the fine. Can you imagine this? Like a billion dollars. I don't know how it worked, but they, they, the, the, the judge would then, of course, have to, you know, uh, uh, affirm that, that, that fine or, or whatever. That's what, the, that's what it says here. But interestingly, it says, if her children, you see how it says that? If her children come out, uh, okay, well, the idea is if the punch, we could say, led to uh, a premature birth, they look at the baby, are we okay? We're okay, okay, there's a fine. But it uses the word children, plural. And so most scholars believe that what's happening here is it's this, it's this understanding that if that caused not only a premature birth, but in some way you affected a woman's ability to continue to have children, there would be additional compensation. That is a, that is a horrific thing. She can no longer have children. This is incredible that this is happening. They recognize this is, this is in effect snuffing out a future life. So how do they handle that, right? If there's no harm, we already talked about it. But if there is harm, look at verse 23, Verse 23 is this, this very familiar passage. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for boon, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Right? We, we've all heard part of this verse, eye for an eye, right? tooth for tooth. We talk about that. Um, I want you to notice, and I'm going to come back to this in a moment. I want you to notice where it is. This is talking about a baby in the womb. Okay, this is talking about a woman who is punched while she's pregnant. How do we determine punishment? Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, right? Stripe for stripe. Okay, and I, I, I want it, but I just want you to see that there for a moment, okay? Let's leave that there, put a pin in it, I'll come back. The next section is criminal negligence. Start at verse, uh, go down to verse 28. When an ox gores a man, okay, so stop there. Here's just what's happening. They're going, okay, God, what is murder? So they start to conceive of these things and like, okay, but what about if one of my animals kills another person? Then what? And the answer, God says, it, it depends. Okay, so watch, watch how it depends. When an ox scores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. Okay, so this is just an accident happen on the farm. And they gored, now notice it's men and women, you, they gore a human being to death, then, then uh, that, that, that you can't even eat the meat. You stone them. You know why? Because animals are not more important than people. Southern California people. 
animals are not, look, I got a little dog, Ruby, my daughter's cat, Milo, in our home. I like animals, I really do. They're not more important people. They're just not. They're just not. And God's making this clear, right? Okay, so he gores him, but notice this. But look at verse 29. If the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned. Its owner shall be put to death. In other words, you got crazy bull, right? Here's my bull and he's done this a lot. He's got a habit of doing this. And I know this and I, it's not a mystery to me and he's gored before and he's gonna gore again. And you do that, he says, man, you're liable, you are culpable in this. You, you've, you've, you've walked around with a loaded gun. You've not been careful. And because of that, you, 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 you deserve to die as well. Now, 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 if you keep going, it says, because it wasn't actually a person who did it, verse 30, if a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed. So, so there is, is an example of like, here's, here's God saying, you, you can actually be redeemed from this. Like you, you, in, in some cases, they may say, hey, we, we've looked at the facts and, and yes, you're liable, but at the same time, uh, that we're just gonna sort of impose this fine of redemption and you can pay it and you don't die, but it's sending this message. You deserve to die because a human being died, because a human being's life was, uh, was snuffed out, okay? Um, let's keep going. Verse, uh, verse 31, if it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to the same rule. So just, just point out, men, women, children, there's no difference. They, they all follow the same rule. They're not lesser. They are, they, are, they are considered human beings made in the image of God. Verse 32, if the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. Okay, so, so, so what happens? Uh, why this difference? Okay, we, we have to consider that a slave would have been the one that was, was asked to work with the animals, right? They would have been out there, I need you to go over to your neighbor's pasture, you gotta grab this or whatever. They go over, the bull gores the, the one because he's around the animals. And so it recognizes that, that because he was in close proximity and yet it says, look, there still needs to be compensation. This, this slave's life still matters, Right, and the ox still gets, you know, has to be stoned to death because people, no matter who they are, are more important than animals, right? No matter, no matter how wonderful or awful, right? People are more important than animals. Okay, now um, keep going. Verse 33, when a man opens a pit or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner and the dead beast shall be his. Okay, so falls in the, the I, I dig a pit, your donkey falls in there and I, I, it dies. I've got to pay you for the price of that donkey I get to keep the donkey for whatever that's worth, right? Whether I, I don't know if they ate it for meat or whatever, but then, then you get compensated for your loss. Look at verse 35. When one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price and the dead beast also they shall share. Okay, so there again, now you've got uh, two animals, they get in a fight and one butts it and he dies. So what do you do? You sell the live ox, we'll split the price there. We sell the meat. We split the price there. Fair, just result, okay? 
Verse 36, or if his known theox has been accustomed, so now we got crazy bull back, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox and the dead beast shall be his. So there, it's saying, look, you should have known. Could have killed a person, it killed another animal. So now you have to compensate that owner for his loss. Probably not giving him crazy bull, but probably another ox, right? Where, where he, can, he has his livelihood. Remember, we're in an agrarian culture. Animals are not just, it's nice to have an animal. This is life and death. That's why it falls under that structure. Love your neighbor, commandment six, murder. And down here, even in talking about animals. Because if I take away these animals that are necessary for your livelihood, I take away your life. And God says it's the same kind of thing. I've got to be, we've got to be very careful about that. Okay, I know that's a kind of, we just ran through that. But, but, but I, I wanted to get to this. So what do we do? We get to these civil laws. We get to things like this. We're like, hey, there's no one-to-one correspondence. Yes, I can't murder. Yes, I can't do anything. So surely those things apply. But, but, but what are the timeless principles I should learn out of this? And so let me just take a few moments and I'm just gonna give you four, okay? I think the first principle is simply this. God cares about justice. And here's what I mean by that. He, he cares. It's not a political statement. God cares about a just society. God cares that his people live in a way that's just and good and righteous. In fact, in, in Isaiah chapter 5, it says, but the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice and the holy God shows himself in righteousness. Like, 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 in other words, one of the ways we exalt God as a people is we, we exalt and we, we live just lives. Like, we, we, we want to see that for our culture, okay? Don't get all bogged down in some of the stupid political stuff that's happening right now. Christian, we should want this. We should long for this. Long for a just world. And here's God putting things in place that are going to make sure that there is justice done in the culture. The second thing is, and I hope this is obvious, is that human life is precious to God. It's just precious. It's more important than animals. It's so precious, right? All human life is precious. And and what's amazing about this passage is men and women and and slave and free and sons and daughters. Why? Because every one of them are made in God's image. And so if you snuff out a life, the Old Testament says your life should be snuffed out. Now, capital punishment. We can debate... Um, and probably should, by the way, uh, how capital punishment is implemented under our system of justice, okay? By that I mean, you know, it's very, very possible that people could be executed that never committed the crime. I mean, you know, this this happens. Uh, By the way, you're gonna see, first of all, I want you to know, this is not like, hey, there's a question whether the person's a murderer. This is, it's obvious. And later laws are gonna say things like, you cannot put somebody to death without an eyewitness. In fact, I believe it's two. They can't be put to death. It can't be just one person's against another. There's gotta be two eyewitnesses to this crime, all established and then, right? So, so it was trying to make sure there wasn't any of that unjust stuff happening. Okay, we can debate that, probably should. What we can't debate is it's in the Old Testament. 
Capital punishment is part of what's given. Because why? Because all human life is valuable to God. Right? Men, women, sons and daughters, slave and free, and by the way, in and out of the womb. Do you see this? Go to verse 23 again. Again, remember the context. There's a Latin word for this passage. And some of you have heard, like we call retaliation. You come Latin talionis. We, we have something we call talionic justice. In Latin, it's lex talionis. It means the law of the tooth. It's, it's the idea, the law of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And, um, and, and, it's, it, and it comes in the context of a baby in the womb. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. By the way, this is still the law today. I mean, I think a lot of you know this, that if you, if you murder a pregnant woman and she dies and the baby dies, in our system of justice, in most states, you will be tried for two murders. This is insanity when you think about, but at the same time, we can abort a baby and it's not murder. Six inches make the difference. The intent of the mother makes the difference. It's still a life. Uh, some of you have heard maybe the, 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 the argument SLED, S-L-E-D. It's, it's an argument sort of that, that helps us think through uh, abortion and it's an argument against abortion. So it stands for S is the size, L level of development, E environment, D dependency. So, so think about, just leave that up there for a second. Think about what it's saying. What size? Does, does, does the size of the person matter? Right? Does, does a big, tall person have more rights than a short person? Right? I know Randy Newman's short people got nobody, but right, that's not biblical. And, 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 and so th the answer is obviously no. We don't, we don't give legal protection or withhold it because of the size of a person. We don't give or withhold it based on their level of development. Does your sixth grade who can read and run and write, do they have more rights than your toddler because the, the toddler isn't as developed? The answer is obviously no. We, we, we see both of them as deserving of the same rights. Is is it, is it environment? Well, they're in the womb, outside of the womb. Does environment really make that much of a difference? If you're in your car, if you're in your home, if you're outside, if you're in the pool, like what is it that makes difference? Why is the environment the issue? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's because they're dependent on the mother. So are infants. They're still dependent. Some of you are, are insulin dependent. Some of you have a drug that if you don't take, you'll die. Do you deserve less legal protection because of that? The answer is, of course, no. And so here's God making it amazing all the way back in Exodus 22 that this baby in the womb deserves protection because just like slave and free and men and women and boys and girls and all of humanity, they're all made in the image of God and human life is precious to God and far more precious than any animal. The third, I think, application here, principle is that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember I told you it sort of falls, it sort of cascades down from that branch and, and it's interesting to me because it's saying, it's saying, don't do things on your property. Did you catch that? 
Don't dig a hole on your property. If your neighbor's ox or donkey might wander over and fall, you're liable for that. Why would God say that? Because loving your neighbor matters. This is so un-American, isn't it? What are you talking about? It's my property. That's my car. I could blast my, my, uh, my, my radio as loud as I want to uh, in my backyard. It's my property. You can't tell me how to handle my property. Why should we not think like that, Christian? Because we love our neighbor. Why do we put a fence around pools? Because we love our neighbor. Why do we not go ripping through our neighborhood? Or shouldn't. Because we love our neighbor. Why don't I blast my you know, my music at, at, at loud decibels all throughout the night because I love my neighbor. And listen, you say, well, yeah, but you know, they call the cops and come over to tell me to stop. Well, they can. Do we need the law to tell us no? Or is the impulse of our hearts, we've been loved and we will love our neighbor as ourselves. Listen, we are in the weirdest moment culturally. Everybody's screaming about their rights. I get that. We're Christians. We're Christian. For God's sake, let's be Christian. And let's say I'm willing to set aside my rights. And then remember, we're, we're here in, in Exodus 22, this is like, man, you just, you just cost somebody their livelihood. You just cost somebody essentially their life. But, but I, I think it's big and small. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of minor, little, tiny, mundane, day-to-day -day things that we should be doing simply because we love our neighbor. We will love them. And the last thing I want you to see, the timeless principle, is that the crime, the punishment should fit the crime. Now let's talk about this for a moment. This is the lex talionis. This is the law of the tooth, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter five. Here's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 38. And he's in that section where he's like, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, I tell you. Matthew chapter five, he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. He's quoting Exodus, right? I say to you, do not resist the one who's evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, return to him the other also. Like, gosh, there's so much right there. Don't resist the one who's evil. What are you talking about? And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak. And if anyone force you to go a mile, go two. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. I mean, is Jesus saying, hey, forget about Exodus 22? No. He's arguing over a misapplication. And the misapplication is, hey man, I'll just give back what's given to me, right? Someone punches me, I'm punching back. They start it, I'll finish it. We talk like this, don't we? Eye for an eye, right? Tooth for tooth. That, that is not the intent. Remember, it's in the context of a baby. They're like, you need to examine this baby. And it's not that, oh, the Baby, baby don't have tooth, right? There's no tooth. They're not, they're not you know, they're, they're, there's not a stripe on the baby. They're, they're saying, inspect that child. And yes, if it's dead, there should be life for life. Um, there, there's no indication in scripture that people's hands were cut off or eyes gouged out. The idea there is what, what, what God is trying to prevent 
is retaliation. Because what happens? Retaliation isn't just you punched out my tooth, come here, I'm going to punch out yours and be really exact about it. It's you punch my tooth, I'll take off your head, right? You take out my eye, I'll kill you. Right? That's the idea. God doesn't want this blowing up like that. But it's more than that. Jesus is saying, man, you, you ought to be willing to just sacrifice yourself for this. This is incredible. He, he's saying, look, when you're wrong, when you're offended, when you're insulted, when you're hurt, don't seek revenge. Don't demand justice. Jesus is telling us you should be willing to suffer injury. You should be willing to be hurt. You should be willing to be in a position where guess what? Your obligation is not to punch back. Your Christian obligation is to show mercy and to grant forgiveness. Why? Because this is exactly what Jesus did. Isaiah, looking forward to the coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter five says, but the Lord of hosts is exalted. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 50. He says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid my face, I, I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. If there's anyone, Jesus gets pinned to a cross for crimes he never committed they punched him, they spit on him, they pulled out his beard, they whipped him, they beat him, they nailed him to a cross. Then if anybody had the right to call fire down from heaven, it's Jesus, right? And what does he do? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the impulse. That's, <laughs> that's when the gospel has taken root, right? Yeah, lex talionis, that's a thing. And Jesus says, yeah, but, but you, the ones who have every right to invoke this. Show them the difference. That mercy triumphs over justice because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You see it? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that no matter where we are in scripture, it's profitable. It teaches us, it rebukes us, it trains us in righteousness. God, we want to be people that are righteous. We, we want to be people who reflect the character of God in our obedience to your laws, not, not because we think it's going to earn our salvation, but because it's, it's showing the world your character through our obedience. So God, I thank you. Lord, it's easy for me to affirm that all human life is precious. It's much harder to live with love your neighbor. Sometimes even our neighbors at church. It's, it's much harder to, to not live out eye for eye. God, some of us 
have been gossiped against and so men, we think we're gonna seek vengeance. God, let us instead, let the impulse be, man, how much I've been forgiven. Let me forgive much. How much mercy I've been shown. Let me show mercy and grace. God, I pray, I pray that we'd reflect that in the culture around us, in our families, to moms and dads, even as we talked about, to our children, to neighbors. And Father, I, I, I pray for, for those that are here this morning who, God, they hear about this God of justice. They, they hear about a God who will not let the guilty go free. Um, and maybe today, even in a message like this, they hear and they understand their need that, that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us, showed us mercy. And today would be the day where they would turn in repentance, if nothing else, repenting of believing that somehow they could earn their favor with you. They wouldn't need the cross of Christ. God, there's gonna be nobody standing before you, nobody who can come into your presence that doesn't come through the death of Jesus. And so I pray that today, eyes would be open, ears would be unstopped, hearts would be made new as they put their hope, their trust in Jesus Christ, I pray. We love you, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.